0: But then again, if you're, like I said, if you're in tier three, if you are that person that's operating in tier three, you're going to go back and you're going to do tier one and tier two as good question making. Every intervention that you're going to do as a a professional operator within that task area, you're you're doing good science in tier one and tier two.
1: Welcome to a podcast dedicated toward the distribution of evidence-based application of research, information and training methods to assist the wellness initiative of the fire and rescue community. I'm your host, Hassan Jabat, and this is RIT Team Radio. Welcome to Episode 6 of RIT Team Radio, where we're going to take a look at the three-tier system to program development. I'm joined here today with Dr. Michael Oldham of Texas A&M University Commerce. We're gonna round table, uh, talk about what does this tier system look like? Is it just involved with research? And depending on the entity, how can you get involved with uh, developing uh, either a program you already have in place, or maybe helping establish a program from scratch. So, uh, Dr. Michael Oldham, please take a moment and introduce yourself.
0: Thanks, Hussein. So, uh, first of all, pr- I appreciate your uh, invitation to to get onto the podcast, and um, so always appreciated to really preach the efforts that's going on here at AM Commerce. Um, so, uh, Dr. Michael Oldham. Uh, PhD in exercise physiology and nutrition. Uh, but I've got a long history in uh, the coaching world and in the, in the teaching world over 33 years or so, uh, going on 35 at this point. Uh, but uh, uh, really entered into the tactical research realm about five years ago. Uh, so just by some random guy reaching out to me,
1: and <laughs> I like how we're. We're just grinning back and forth because we we know where we know where the conversation is going and uh, hopefully we can be as effective as possible within these next 40 minutes because yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try and keep us keep us on a straight and narrow on the path. Um, but okay, tied to tactical research, granted, we've been in this world we've been in exercise science fitness and wellness for a while now, right? Yeah. Uh, one of us longer than than the other one. but being in this world, tactical research being relatively new to us, right? Past couple of years and uh, being able to work with different entities and establish kind of a framework for how to get the ball rolling, how to start a program up, and then how to build that program out and every entity being unique. So uh, I I guess briefly describe what, from a research standpoint, what your role is and how research has merged with the tactical community, just to give kind of an overview of involvement.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question and, and uh, a good setup in terms of what our responsibilities here are at the university. Um, as assistant professors, uh, associate professors, and, and full professors, um, we have a mandate in our in our job descriptions to research and um, and publish. And so you you may have heard the old adage publish or perish. Um, And it really is actually true. You you can sort of lose your job if you don't uh, publish enough depending on your contract. But with that in mind, it it is left up to the individual researcher to pick their research line uh, and, and research interests. And they have to be based on what you're passionate about because the work can be laborious and it can really get into the weeds of going back at past literature. Uh, so it has to be an area where you're actually really interested. So with that in mind, you know you can you can either have research opportunities come to you, or you can start developing those research opportunities. You can and depending on what your personality type is, um, you you can kind of go either lane. Um, and so I'm I'm a I'm a try hard, I'm I'm a fast mover, hard pusher kind of person. And so when opportunities get get in my uh, purview. Uh, then we go all in, and so when you reached out about five years ago and said, "Hey, I'm working in this opportunity. I'm working in this in this uh, department as a strength and conditioning consultant." Would do you think you might want to do some research? Uh, at that time, we were working with athlete populations here at the university, uh, and we had some had some time carved away um, that we could allocate resources to that. And then uh, then it really just developed. So it, it, in essence, it just started with a conversation. And I encourage any strength and conditioning specialist, whether that's CSES or TSAC, um, if you have an interest area and you have resources that are available to you, start those conversations, right? And those conversations may be at the university level uh, that might have funding opportunities that are already existing, Or they might be at uh, university levels where opportunities for funding might become apparent based on conversations. So uh, maybe there is budget money within the department that can be allocated towards that. Uh, Maybe they have ongoing research grants where you can uh, tap into that and make use of that in terms of resources, equipment, time, uh, those types of things. Uh, But again, it just starts with a conversation and can you? Uh, do you, do you, in all good science, do you see something that's happening? Right. Uh, so if you can, if you can uh, imagine, you know, as I'm out there in the field and I see a p- particular pattern developing in a type of athlete or a, a type of uh, industry, and then, so the next next logical step is kind of a, a question should come to your head. Like, I wonder if I did this or that, an intervention could I affect what I see? Uh, could I make it better? If what I did, would it make it worse? right? So in that case we, we hope to make it better, uh, especially if we're doing in the tactical industry. Um, <clears throat> so you know and that and then you 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 develop a, a modern uh, testing uh, modality, uh, just some methods of testing your question uh, and testing your hypothesis. Well, I think if we do X, Y, and Z then we'll get a, B, and C results. Uh, then you have to test that
1: yeah and so I liked so so a couple of things to unpack right there uh first was the initial contact and I like how you mentioned uh one a couple years ago uh where I reached out and was already within the community and was like hey this is what I'm doing I'm having some uh, questions about the efficacy the effectiveness of the program and how can one, how can uh, Texas A&M University Commerce assist those efforts? Uh, but then two, working with the community, how can we provide more? How can we build and establish more resources for this community? But I like how you touched on the practitioner, the individual, and it could be an entity, it could be a large entity, smaller entity could be an individual saying, I have a question and then reaching out and trying to, uh, whether from a, uh, just consulting basis. Hey, you know, what does this look like with what yeah. I'm doing? Uh, is this am I on the right path? Or implementation of research efforts uh, and and research is a very broad umbrella. Umbrella to say we're investigating questions, right? Where we're able to investigate something and be able to either infer or establish solutions. And so with that being said, it could also go in the opposite manner to where we are going to entities. That's, that's kind of the realm we're in now. We, well, we operate in both, right? Entities reach out to us, but then vice versa. As we're working with different groups, we ask the question of one, how can we help? And what do you see? What obstacles, what um, issues, what concerns do you have? And then yeah. that gives us a, a starting point of where to navigate the discussion. And that brings together the three tier system. So it's just gonna uh, say
0: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: so that's what we're trying to introduce. And 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 now, if you would talk about what are those three layers? Uh, you know, what, uh, from a brief overview, what those three layers are, and then we'll kind of dive into each one of those.
0: Yeah, so and, and the other thing is, I think people uh, in the in the general public don't uh, maybe understand the cycle of research and how long it takes. Especially if you're dealing with a, a university setting, you you can do your own research. You know, at whatever you can uh, use the scientific method to uh, observe, test, evaluate. That's really just the basic tenets of of research. Uh, you can do your own scientific method of, and you and you honestly, if you're working in the strength conditioning world, you're a scientist. Um, I hate to tell you that, uh, but you're a scientist because you you do just that. These are the exercises that I'm going to implement, and I'm going to see what the results are. If the results are not good, we're going to change. Uh, so we always want to use that sort of methodology, right? Observe, test, evaluate. Um, so in that light, that process at the university level can be quite lengthy just because there's paperwork and and bureaucracy built into it to make sure that we don't do horrible stuff to humans, Um, which because people have done horrible stuff to humans, that's what we always tell them. Um, So that process can be lengthy. So at the base level, at the foundational level is just informational data. Um, There's no intervention involved in that typically. We call it baseline data, uh, foundational data, observational data, longitudinal data. Like we wanna see what's happening now to get a snapshot either in individual segments or over multiple segments uh, of time points to kind of get an idea of you know, what's going on right now, right? And so the easiest format to use is what we call pre-post-testing. So here's where we are right now. at the Let's say that at an academy level, right? We'll go in at the, at the first couple of days of academy, get baseline data and physical and skill work and things like that. But uh, then at the end of the academy, we'll come back and say, "Okay, where what was the effect of that academy without any intervention from us? So that would be what we call tier one. So we can go in and do those types of activities for a multitude of uh, industries, um, uh, even within tactical uh, areas, first responder areas.
1: And and it doesn't just have to be strength and conditioning, right? It can be any any type of intervention any kind of change behavioral change lifestyle whatever it might be anything you're trying to facilitate you're just trying to assess the uh, what's going on right yeah
0: say you were just you were interested in uh uh, law enforcement motivation right you're seeing a, a downward trend in morale okay well then let's come in and see what is the data telling us now what are the what are the the critical uh, indicators or the key performance indicators, like why are you, are where you are right now? And how can we evaluate that? What can we measure? Um, even, so that's all in the in the um, objective research area, right? Quantitative research area. And then so data, I love data. Data is so much fun. The data person, um, right? Yeah. We can also work well, in that way yeah. qualitative, right? You can, opinions matter sometimes. Uh, <laughs>
1: Depend and so, on who you ask, I you know, Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> and and the opinion, I guess. Uh, but you know, if, if we want to, if we're asking that type of question where opinions matter, then opinions matter. Um, so you can do that type of stuff too. So that's all foundational. That's all tier one. Um, it's not until you get to tier two that you start making changes and testing hypotheses. Um, so if you're saying, okay, this is what we saw in X setting, whatever, pre to post, here's a here's what happened over a longitudinal time. Can we make a, a change to that that will improve the measure, uh, the measurable quantities that we're trying to get to? Um, so if it is in the strength and conditioning world, you know, are we going to put in a particular type of strength and conditioning programming that is going to affect a particular outcome? Uh, so then that's that's tier two. Can we make some sort of intervention based on your questions? Um, most people, most groups, want to jump to tier two immediately because uh, they get the they get the so what now what effect answered for them really quickly. Um, I start with the what. <laughs>
1: well, what. I like I like how you alluded to how how most want to jump to tier two, yeah. and so talk about the significance of like what is the importance and and a lot of groups we have worked with, and it's not that it's do all end all. Worst case, scenario yeah. to implement something. Yeah. But if you could recommend starting on tier one, what's the significance of building that foundation?
0: Tier one builds the argument for tier two, right? And it's if, if we don't know where we're at now, how do we have any idea if our intervention will be effective? Right? We, we're just shooting in the dark that this intervention would be uh, perfect for y'all. So as an example, uh, we had a, a department come to us and they were investigating or wanting to know if using load carrying vests would be more appropriate to their officers than the duty belt, right? That's a great question to ask. So in order to get that information, we have to come in and go, okay, what is the duty belt? What are the issues with the duty belt currently? They have currently the duty belt. And and these are the measurements that we'll need to take and over a time period to get some evaluative data to give you the best uh, interventional strategy for the load carrying vest. And so in the end, the department decided, you know what, we're just gonna buy them. We're just gonna buy the load carrying vest and we're not interested in the baseline data. Who's to say that those load carrying vests were better for their officers? We have no data now to establish whether that interventional change was effective. So unless you have something to compare to, then you don't know whether your intervention is effective. So that's why those tier ones are super good. We can kind of establish, we can kind of do a a hybrid tier one, tier two, where we do a pre- which establishes where you are now compared to and so pre and then you have intervention in the middle and then post. So we could see if that intervention was effective, but I would much rather have a, a good cycle of, of pre data and baseline data uh, over multiple time points to make sure that that's actually the, the correct snapshot.
1: And, and I wanna tie this into kind of, to allude to, we're not gonna dive too far cuz this is a whole discussion in itself and and we'll talk about this later on but
0: episode 57 at, at,
1: at this will be 5 million other episodes especially <laughs> when we get into case studies and stuff but alluding to the recovery standard project that is a prime example as mm-hmm. a prime example of um, assessing where someone is is currently at and just get, give a very surface overview of kind of what that uh, is comprised or at least what are what are we not the markers we're looking at but the ideology behind it
0: okay so uh, i'll give you my my two minute elevator speech very
1: very two minute 30 second if that's possible i don't know not possible but (laughs) i'll
0: try so uh the recovery standard project is looking at what is the effect of shift rotations on firefighter populations those two brief. Okay, um, and so what we're looking at is a comparison of how well re- you recover from that shift. Uh, both recover from the on shift uh, day and your off shift days. Right, those are as important in terms of the overall scope of project. You cannot take that data point as a single data point and make any inferences uh, based on that. The main variable is a variable called heart rate variability. and But we can look at that longitudinally. So that we can see not even one-week trends, but more like one-month trends, and three-month trends, and six-month trends, and one-year plans uh, uh, in trending that will give you an idea of what's happening overall through your system uh, and, and longitudinally. So that's way more powerful than uh, a single data point right and and so that's that's the way we're evaluating it and so we're in all of the studies that we're doing in this uh, recovery standard project they're all longitudinal three months was the minimum on those and then we had a six-month group it was actually sort of the initial group and now we're into a a longitudinal year-long program
1: and and the reason i like bringing bringing this up Um, And and we'll talk about it more uh, later on in further episodes and and different platforms and resources and so forth. Right. But the reason I bring this up is one of the concerns within the fire service, at least one that is being navigated uh, tremendously throughout the industry uh, currently is what is uh, one side of the question is what is the best shift schedule and how. Uh, I worded and many uh, I talked to it, uh, which one is the less out of the evils, right? There's pros and cons to shift work in general, but which one has right. the least uh, amount of negative uh, influence on the health of the operator? And to be able to make that change, right? To be able to make that change, you have to know what your current shift schedule is doing to you as it is. Right. Um, so that that's just an example of, and we're going through the process of tier one, just observation to be able to assess what the current status of uh, each agency is at, that we're working with and collaborating on, on these different shift rotations. And then that way, based on that observational data, you can then turn around and say, okay, well, we're wanting to implement this change, which is a potential shift schedule change, and then observe that change, right? So that's that's a prime example, just to give kind of a trendy um, uh, overview example of tier one process
0: and that would be the best case scenario right but it the logistics behind that and we've had some departments approach us re- regarding that is we're currently on 2448 but we're thinking about going to 4896 and we're willing to as a municipality to switch to the 4896 for three months or six months is that doable and like, good gosh that's really good science because you're working with the same population but again in order to make those inferences, it has to be a longitudinal piece, right? You can't just do it for one week and go, okay, that's what we think. You're not gonna get good data, right? The way we look at it is more data, better data.
1: Right, and and, and so even with that example, right? Then the next step process would be going to tier two, right? You've observed, you've you've assessed what's going on. You want to uh, make that shift or you make the transition of a shift schedule. let's just use that as an example. But then tier two is you're still assessing, you're observing, but right. what your change is. You made a change, you made an intervention, right. and then now you're observing the effectiveness the uh, of that uh, the, of that initial change, right. and then and then that extends to potentially uh, multiple interventions and so forth, and and you assess those. So discuss exactly. discuss the logic behind maybe implementing or or shifting one variable at a time or make implementing one intervention at a time during tier two? And then how do you get to, if ever, how do you get to tier three?
0: Yeah, the way that I like to think about multiple interventions is if I wear a particular outfit, right? And, and then I go and somebody says, wow, that looks good. And then I change my all my outfit the next day and I wear a completely different jacket, a different shirt, different shoes, I do my hair differently, different glasses. And somebody says, wow, you look good. How do I know which change was the best and it was the most effective, right? So it's just this multiple different look. And so we look at it in terms of which variable. Can we get this down to a simple question, right? The KISS principle. can we get it down to a single one or two variables that we're going to change? Because then we can establish a cause and effect type relationship, you know, pre-test, intervention with one variable, and then we measure that variable again, and did our, our change, our intervention, that one change, make a difference in that measurable variable, right? So in this case, if we say, like the recovery standard project, Twenty-four forty-eight versus forty-eight ninety-six. The only thing that we're changing is the shift rotation. Now that that has a number of different you know variables built in within it, but the only thing that really we changed was their shift schedule. And if the only thing that we're measuring is HRV, then we can say this shift change made an effect on HRV, heart rate variability. But if we're looking at Shift change and oh, yeah, by the way, in, in that 24, they're working double, uh, they're working two different apparatus, um, and uh, we're changing their bunk uh, configurations, and uh, we changed tones, and we had a registered dietitian now that cooks their meals for them, and blah blah blah. Right? If you lock six or seven other things on there, then how do you know what is affecting? The the one variable that you're trying to measure.
1: Right? Yeah the the reason I like discussing that because at the end of the day it comes down to budget comes down to funding yep. right that is that is the do all end all that's what fuels the system right and so and that's where we get to tier three where it's funding that process you're either if you need a professional some sort of integrated professional in that position a qualified designated. Uh, individual to provide that scope of practice, right? You're able to fund that process, but then be able to fund whatever resources the intervention um, needed. Now, the issue with that is, let's say you implemented eight different things, six different things, three different things. And the uh, entity says, hey, we only have enough funding for one. We only have enough funding for one intervention. You've been Implementing tier two for for however uh, long, and we'll talk about the durations of of each tier, but let's say you've been implementing this for two years, three years, and you've you've tried with six different interventions. Okay, we can only fund one of those. Which one are you going to choose? Well, you've just done three years of interventions and you've incorporated them all at the same time. How do you know which one is the most effective? How do you know which one actually worked for the results you'd acquired?
0: You don't. right? You were you, <laughs> you, you left with just a pile of data. And it's very hard. Uh, we call it data parsing. it's hard to tease out the part that was the most effective piece uh, because they're so muddled in there in terms of the, all the interventions that you made. So, again, if you can start simple, um, just mobility. Okay, what mobility? Spinal mobility, hip mobility um shoulder mobility now, pick the areas again that have the most target value to them uh the most critical value to them right so again as an example right if we say within the fire industry well heck with even in the entire first responder industry cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular events are the number one cause of death far outweighing and you can look at all the research um far outweighing any other cause of death um or even cause of, of uh, uh, morbidity, right? So uh, where they're injured, like there are cardiac events in, involved in a lot of that. What is the one way that you can affect cardiovascular health? And everybody goes to the low-hanging fruit, right? Oh, do aerobic exercise. But you're just saying, but I, I, I'm affecting cardiovascular health. Are you? Do you know you are? Are you measuring data to to ef- evaluate the effectiveness of your intervention? And then it ends up being top-down policy where, uh, okay, everybody has to do 30 minutes of aerobic exercise or everybody has to meet this standard, uh, this PAT standard in aerobic fitness because, you know, cardiovascular health is the number one problem, but you're not really doing science. You're you're throwing a Band-Aid on it, which is cost-effective, uh, but with no real target in mind. So that's where that tier three has to come in, in my mind. And the reason why we developed it that way was to put a professional in there whose single focus is outside of the task and uh, in the, in the job description of the first responder. Uh, uh, well, in, in really any industry, honestly, if my, if my athlete on the football team here is worried about the strength and conditioning of the rest of the football team, he's not worried about his job on the field. He, he's divided mentally. So the same here, if we can put a professional in that position, whether that's at the HR level, whether that's at uh, the actual you know, practitioner level, somebody has to be concerned with what are we doing in terms of interventional strategies to change variables over time? And if nobody's concerned with that or that they do the worst, well, not the worst, worst is to do nothing, I guess, uh, but I guess the second to worst would be to task somebody who's in the in on shift. Hey, you're responsible for this. We'll pay you a little extra. Are they Are they certified? Do they know what they're doing? Have they had any education, or do they just like to do workouts? Right. Oh yeah, I designed the workouts for the whole shift. Based on what?
1: that's <laughs> that's that's a whole nother that's a rabbit hole of a discussion of qualifications and goes. certifications and, and so so 73. yeah <laughs> um with with the tier system right going from tier one up to tier three and and hopefully right the ambitions are to justify prove that your intervention whether yeah, it's one go. or multiple works and then establishing that practitioner establishing or embedding that qualified professional whether you are assisting with certifying someone or just bringing someone in that is qualified to do that scope of practice well, what does the big
0: thing you change the big thing that we all talk about in this industry culture
1: <laughs> if
0: they have a culture of data if they have a culture of data different data driven decision making then tier three is easy because then they already know well we need somebody that's going to do this full time for us we we need somebody who's going to do this part time for us that's not on shift so it makes it easy but it if you want to go right to to level 3 tier 3 and put somebody in there if i was that person honestly and and a, and a municipality hired me uh, to be their their uh, wellness coordinator the first thing i would do is tier 1
1: he would he would help you right because right? It, it, how do you once you're hired to that position how do you know what you're doing like how do you know what your first step of change is if you no, don't know gonna, where you're you're where you're walking into right
0: i'm gonna make an email flyer and send that out on the email list sir, <laughs> to <laughs> my department there you go
1: there you go what so what so, does say someone starts at tier one Right. we right we've we've done an overview on on the tier system itself what does timeline Everyone wants to know what, for, well, right? let's take a step back. Does every entity's process look the same and then tie that into timeline?
0: So, uh, easy answer. No, like, none of them look the same. Everybody's not, even, this, close. not <laughs> even close, not and even close. And it is based on culture, mm-hmm. money, communication, desire, and my gosh, personnel. Right. Yep. Because command staff's gonna gonna shift and promote. And you know, that person that was that was in that assistant chief position that was really fired up for it is now a deputy chief over at some other department and they're gone. And now the program just falls apart. Right. So every program that has to be installed in tier one, two, 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 three has to have longevity, has to have ease of SOP, so that whoever is the next person in there, they just know this is the culture. This is the established procedure. This is what we do. And so it should be easy. But the but the easy answer to that is it's so different for each department based on those variables. But on on a on a broad scale, tier one can take one to three years. For us in academia, that's yeah. a drop in the bucket. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. And it's even after tier one. It, or, sorry, even after year one, even mid year one, we usually have uh, uh, not on our side, but on the uh, the opposing side, whoever we're working with year one, usually about three months in is like, hey, let's do this, this and this. And we're like, hold on. Well, like we can still we can still assist, like you can still you don't want to just leave people high and dry and say, Hey, you're you're broken, good luck, you know, we have to wait an entire year. Yeah. Like we still help facilitate and answer questions and so yeah. forth, but big interventional changes. We 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 try to segment them out throughout this process. Because if you just start throwing them in there, it goes back to the cycle of, well, what worked, what didn't, because mm-hmm. ultimately you're trying to justify the funding for that process. And, and that's where, you know, you, you said tier one for us is, is one to three years. And it's this wide range. And even one year, people are like, well, why are you waiting an entire year before you do something? It's because you have to assess what is going on. Some programs and some agencies flow through different seasonal uh, operational tempos. Mm-hmm. They go through a different process. And, and so trying to figure that out. Um, and, and trying to have a very good big picture of, of everything that's going on is going to help evolve into tier two.
0: Yeah, and, the, and probably the most important part of that is the the time it takes to evaluate data. I can crunch numbers on you know a spreadsheet fairly rapidly, right? And we have programming that you know allows us to do that. But then for us to sit down as a research team and then evaluate what we think is happening in the data, both statistically and anecdotally, and then for us to communicate that to the the entity, that that can take two to six months. Especially if you're talking about longitudinal data sets, like as an example, uh, for the current project, we have 12,000 pieces of data coming in weekly weekly
1: and then weekly. going and then going well what does this mean what does this mean right what
0: does this mean individually what does this mean you know aggregately uh you know so that can take a long period of time and then you go to tier 2 and then whatever the longitudinal cycle of that uh, uh that intervention if that intervention is a year long there's your year right there there's your year span so and then to, to get to tier three, to justify to even getting to tier three, I would say minimum seven years.
1: Yeah, because you're also, when you said that intervention, that observation of the intervention might be a year. Well, what if you didn't see the results you wanted to, right? Then you have to go back, restart, adjust the intervention right. or switch it or or whatever the modification you're doing and then go back and ob- observe again. Is just a continuous exactly right. cycle, right? So um, let's... Uh, just to summarize and kind of bring this together, yeah. uh, just give a very basic, a very just snapshot summary overview of the three-tier system. And then those that are looking for program development efforts, what kind of uh, a- advice, what kind of uh, a snippet of information can you give them?
0: Yeah, so tier one is our base level, foundational level, um, observational level, no interventions involved. Um, and that's the easiest to do because you can... Uh, take smaller snapshots. And so those, for somebody trying to get to that level, um, you know, do you have do you have an observation that's happening? Do you, are you seeing something as a practitioner um, or even as an operator? Are you seeing something that's happening? And do you, can you then identify your resources uh, to help you answer those questions? So that's all tier one, and that could take between one and three years. Tier two then is once you establish some baseline data over multiple opportunities. Can you think, what are the key performance indicators or what are the key variables that I can make changes to that are going to affect my, my one question, right? Uh, so that involves funding typically uh, and volunteers, right? Uh, so that's-
1: <laughs> that's, the, that's the secret word right that's there. the secret
0: word, right? Uh, Volunteer. Uh, And so there, there are hoops to jump through if you're working at the university level in terms of interventions, Uh, and so making sure that you're you're doing it all correctly, and and and, uh, then and are there funding opportunities? That that's episode ninety seven, seeking funding, right? So that's just the matter. We just shake trees and money falls out. But then, so then tier three, uh, tier three. If you're wanting to get into tier three, um, do you have? Uh, uh, an idea of what's needed and what is valuable within your industry as uh, as certifications. Do you have people that either have those or can you seek those certifications yourself either through certificate programs put on by, by performance at Texas and University Commerce or in other programming areas, right? Uh, do you have the certifications that are necessary for those qualifications uh, for you to operate in that third tier realm? Uh, But then again, if you're, like I said, if you're in tier three, if you are that person that's operating in tier three, you're going to go back and you're going to do tier one and tier two as good question making. Every intervention that you're going to do as a a professional operator within that task area, you're, you're doing good science in tier one and tier two.